KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. It's time for Midday Edition on KPBS. Today we are talking about how to manage student loan debt. I'm Jade Hindman. Here's to conversations that keep you informed, inspired, and make you think. Student loan repayments are resuming. We've got financial advice on how to repay them. About 50% of all federal student loan borrowers qualify for something, with a lot of them qualifying for public service loan forgiveness. Plus, we'll talk about other options and programs for debt forgiveness and a look at how student loan debt is impacting seniors who are looking to retire. That's ahead on Midday Edition. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. Student loan repayments are set to resume over the next two months after more than a three-year pause. That's left many borrowers wondering if they can afford to pay off their loans at all. You've also likely heard the Biden-Harris administration's new SAVE plan and other changes to repayment programs. So what does it all mean? We know the thought of paying back debt, especially after a long break, can be overwhelming. So here with some financial advice is Robert Farrington. He's a local expert on student loans and founder of the blog, The College Investor. Welcome, Robert. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so glad to have you here and to get some things clarified. Uh, So the three-year pause on student loan payments is ending soon. Interest has already started accruing on federal loans this month. What's the first thing people should be doing to prepare? You know, that's a great question. Honestly, people need to take a few minutes and get organized with their student loans. It's been a few years for most borrowers that to figure out who owns their loans, where they should make payments, what their payment even is. And for about 20% of student loan borrowers, this is their first time even having to make a student loan payment. So I urge all these borrowers to go and find who your loan servicer is. If you don't know, you can go to studentaid.gov and you can see your federal student loans listed there and they'll tell you exactly where you need to go so that you can make sure your contact information is up to date, your email address is up to date, all these things so you don't end up actually missing your first payment. Yeah. Should people be setting repayment goals or things like that? You know, Really, there's a lot of options when it comes to you repaying your student loan debt. And there's no one size fits all, which is what makes the whole situation so complicated. So what I urge borrowers to do is really figure out what you qualify for. There are some new student loan repayment plans like the new SAVE plan, which has the potential to lower your student loan payments significantly. And that can be a help to a lot of borrowers. And of course, there's loan forgiveness programs. And you need to do a little bit of research to know if you qualify for these things. And then you need to take steps in the right direction to make sure you don't miss anything that you're supposed to. Tell me a little bit more about that SAVE plan. Now, that sounds pretty interesting. 
Yeah, so the SAVE plan is the newest student loan repayment plan. It stands for Saving on a Valuable Education. And it's actually a rebrand of the revised pay-as-you-earn plan. But the cool thing with this new SAVE plan is that it will lower your student loan payment potentially in half because it's based on your income. And so what you do is you certify your income and your monthly payment will be 5% of your discretionary income, which is calculated as 225% of the poverty line. And so if you have a larger family or your lower income, your payment could potentially be $0 a month. And that's a huge benefit to a lot of student loan borrowers. The Supreme Court struck down Biden's plan for mass debt relief, but we still have the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program, which the Biden administration has actually overhauled quite a bit. Can you talk more about that program and who qualifies for that one? Absolutely. So Public service loan forgiveness is one of the best loan forgiveness programs out there. And I'll say that even without blanket student loan forgiveness, about 50% of all federal student loan borrowers qualify for something, with a lot of them qualifying for public service loan forgiveness. So this program allows you to get total student loan forgiveness on your federal student loans after 120 qualifying payments, which is 10 years. So if you work in public service for 10 years, you have the potential to see any remaining student loans completely forgiven. And the definition of public service is very broad. This includes, you know, working for the federal, state, or local government, and working in education, working for public safety, working in the military, Um, you know, and it doesn't have to be like in the classroom or on the front lines. You could be in administration or in accounting or different fields as long as your employer is actually this public service entity. So that's why a lot of people actually qualify for public service loan forgiveness, and it gets your total student loan forgiveness after 10 years. Wow. And like you mentioned, many people will be paying their loans for the very first time. That's the case for young people and Gen Z in particular. What should they be keeping in mind as they start repayments? Yeah, the number one thing is that when you're starting repayment for the first time, you default into the standard 10-year student loan repayment plan. This plan actually has the highest monthly payment amount of any of the student loan repayment plan options. And so it can be very scary when you're getting that first statement. So if you're getting that first statement and you're like, whoa, I don't know if I can afford this, you should look at some of these other loan repayment plans like we just talked about, the save pay-as-you-earn, interest-based repayment. There's different options out there for you. So don't just ignore it. Go on to studentaid.gov or your loan servicer's website and see if there's a lower repayment plan option for you so that you can not miss a payment. You're listening to KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Jade Hindman. I'm speaking with Robert Farrington. He's a local expert on student loans and founder of the blog The College Investor You're talking about student loan repayments. And Robert, you know, the restart of repayments has also ignited some interest in a debt strike. Some borrowers are contemplating non-payment. Is this a viable option, you think? I mean, what are the potential financial repercussions to that? Yeah, not paying your student loan debt is probably one of the worst financial mistakes that you can make. Um, The idea of a debt strike has actually been tried before with things like Occupy Wall Street. However, it never really made it very far. And the reason is, is that the federal government has vast powers to collect on your student loan debt. 
And it's all automatic. It's not like someone has to individually go out and find you. So if you don't pay your student loans, you will see your tax returns offset. You can see your wages garnished. You can see any federal benefits garnished. Um, you know, they can actually file litigation against you and sue you. The repercussions are very bad for your finances. And then after the 12-month on-ramp period, they'll start reporting you delinquent and it'll start hurting your credit score which can make everything else in your life more expensive. You could have to pay more deposits for things like cell phones and utilities. You could find it harder to rent an apartment. You can see your insurance premiums rise. So you might think you're getting out of your student loan payments on one hand, but meanwhile, a lot of other things in your personal financial life will become vastly more expensive, making it hard on you as well. So if you're thinking about not paying your student loans, please don't. It's it's one of the worst financial moves you can make. You know, some borrowers have been drowning in debt for years and are feeling overwhelmed by all this. For those who can't afford to pay their loans each month, what should they do? Well, the first thing is look at programs like income-driven repayment plans like the new SAVE plan. These plans have the potential to lower your student loan payment substantially, even to $0 a month. So if you're struggling because you don't have high income, or maybe you're unemployed right now, instead of avoiding your student loans, get on the save plan, have a $0 a month payment because the save plan also includes loan forgiveness. So you can nurse along a $0 a month payment for years, and then your loan is eventually forgiven. If you were in delinquency or default before the pandemic, there is a program called Fresh Start, which is an amazing way to get back on track right now with your student loans. What you do is you actually call your loan servicer or call the default resolution group and you say, hey, I would like to join the Fresh Start program. And they will get you on the SAVE student loan repayment plan. And as long as you maintain your payments on that plan, after seven years, they will erase the delinquencies and defaults from your credit report, which will get you back on track financially so that you can move forward with your financial life. Mm. Are there any other avenues for student debt relief outside of, of the SAVE plan and the public service loan forgiveness program? Yeah, so we estimate that roughly 50% of all student loan borrowers qualify for something. So we already talked about student uh, public service loan forgiveness. All of the income-driven repayment plans like SAVE include loan forgiveness. And then there's smaller programs out there. There's teacher loan forgiveness. Um, you know, a lot of states, including California, offer some niche programs that allow you to get your loans forgiven if you work in certain fields. And a lot of employers these days are starting to offer student loan repayment assistance. So if you work for a large employer specifically, check with your HR department. You might actually be able to get a little bit of money to help you pay off your student loan debt. So you're the founder of The College Investor, a financial resource for millennials. What have you heard from borrowers over the years about their financial stress? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of borrowers saw a lot of relief during the pandemic with not having to make student loan payments, not having that interest accrues. And we've done several surveys over the last year, and that amount of financial stress has increased significantly as payments have resumed. But it's compounded by the fact that a lot of borrowers actually don't even know what they owe anymore. And there's really been a disconnect between communication from their loan servicers and the Department of Education. I mean, even restarting student loan payments has been about seven or eight different attempts and timelines and short notice before it got postponed. And so this is all... This All this chaos has really added a lot of stress into borrowers' financial lives. 
I think as they start making these payments, getting on these new student loan repayment plans, we'll see that kind of ease in the future. But I think it's a very stressful time for a lot of student loan borrowers right now. What's one misconception or misunderstanding people have about student loan debt? I think the biggest misconception that we have in the broader dynamic of the student loan debt crisis is that costs have continued to rise and borrowers are, in general, okay paying their student loans. We only see a default rate of about 7% on student loans, which is high. We don't want to see anything, but that does mean about 90% of people are making their payments and paying off their loans. Nobody wants to. Let's be honest. If you had the choice of not paying student loans versus paying student loans, you'd rather not. But when you see the data, people are making their payments. They are paying these things off. It does take time. But there are about 7% of borrowers that are struggling, and we need to identify ways that we can help them. And so as we have these conversations about solving the student loan debt crisis, we need to look at the whole picture, fixing the cost of education that's rising, becoming out of control, seeing how we can help these people that are struggling, and realizing that a lot of people are getting value out of their education and paying off their loans, even if they don't want to. Any words for those overwhelmed by their level of debt right now? The biggest thing you can do if you're overwhelmed by your debt is simply get organized, see what your options are, and make a plan. Execute the plan for six months to a year and check in. It's very hard when you're trying to financially plan over a 5, 10, or 20-year period of time. And it might feel very hopeless today, but you have to realize that your financial situation in three to five years could look very different than it does today. And I encourage you to just reflect on what your last three to five years have looked like. For a lot of people, it's been a very trying, crazy time, but you know it can be different three to five years from now, and you might be in a different financial place to make choices on your student loan debt. So get organized, make a plan that works for today, and then just reassess that plan every single year. It can be stressful, it can be a little scary, but if you just take it one step at a time, it's very easy to get through. I've been speaking with Robert Farrington, founder of the blog, The College Investor. Robert, thank you so much for your insight. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. So what's been your experience with student loans? Give us a call, 619-452-0228. You can leave a message or you can email us at midday at kpbs.org. Coming up, we'll talk about more debt relief options. We already do different types of debt relief for people. They're just often the top wealthiest 1%. You're listening to KPBS Midday Edition. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places. You're listening to KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Jade Hindman. We're talking about the student debt crisis. The Supreme Court struck down President Biden's plan to forgive student loan debt for tens of millions of borrowers. Activists continue to fight for mass debt relief. The movement is partly spearheaded by the Debt Collective, a union that aims to cancel all types of debt. I'm joined by Braxton Brewington, press secretary for the Debt Collective. And Braxton, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. 
Well, I'm glad to have you here. So uh, the Supreme Court invalidated Biden's plan for student loan forgiveness. It's easy to assume that the door is really uh, slammed shut on mass debt relief at this point. But there are actually other avenues for cancellation, right? Exactly. That door is still open. So the Supreme Court said the Biden administration couldn't cancel student debt using the HEROES Authority, the 2003 law that's based on an emergency in the wake of 9-11. After the Supreme Court struck that down just a couple of hours later, the Biden administration actually announced a second round attempt at student debt relief based on the Higher Education Act of 1965. And so that law has a compromise, settle, waive, and release authority which gives the Secretary of Education broad authority to cancel someone's student debt. And so that's exactly what he's doing. What uh, are you hearing from student borrowers about how they're feeling and where they are financially? Well, the pause on federal student loans has existed for well over three years now. and People have gotten quite used to that. So what we're hearing now from our members and just folks who are reaching out is how devastating this is going to be for them financially starting in September and into October when payments resume. People who had hopes of purchasing a home or moving out of their parents' house for the first time, people who were talking about saving for retirement. Now with payments resuming, people are saying they're not going to be able to do any of that. They're going to have to cut back on essential needs like groceries. They're going to figure out how to make rent. A lot of people are, you know, hoping that that student debt relief would come, at least along with payments resuming. But because of that relief being halted and payments resuming, they're making desperate financial decisions. We've heard from people who say they're going to have to put off dental care or other types of health care, even cancer treatments. So this is going to be a huge, you know, devastating impact on our national economy and people's budgets month to month. Gosh, and as people wrestle with uh, how to make these payments, some are thinking about not paying altogether, uh, as seen on TikTok. Mm-hmm. The Debt Collective actually led the first student debt strike. So can you explain what a debt strike means? What does it mean to strike as a borrower? Yeah, so just like workers can go on strike and withhold their labor, as the form of power, we believe debtors can do the same and withhold your student debt payment. That actually has become easier than ever to do because of this on-ramp that the Biden administration has announced, which basically says from October of 2023 to September of 2024, if you miss a payment on your federal student debt, um, you won't have a ding on your credit. You won't fall into delinquency. You won't default on your student loans. People should know that the interest will continue to accrue. But for a lot of people who simply don't have $400 or $900 a month to pay, that on-ramp could actually be something that they can take advantage of. And withholding that payment, using that money to take care of your financial needs rather than going to the Department of Education is part of what we call a debt strike. And so there's folks who are using the on-ramp to their advantage and people who say, I'm going to do whatever I can to figure out a safe way to pay $0 a month, whether that's a plan that I qualify for or using the on-ramp. We've heard from members who say, I'm going to go back to school and use the in-school deferment so that I can not have to pay on my student loans. 
And so that type of debt striking is a form of power and starts to politicize the overall conversation about student loans and begins to beg these very deep questions of who owes what to whom. And so I should make clear that what a debt strike is not is refusing to pay by yourself with some types of financial risks. And so we had to be really careful about maneuvering that in the past, but with the on-ramp, which you know you won't be referred to those credit agencies, you won't be, your wages won't be susceptible to be being garnished. That really is how we could function a lot of people into simply refusing to pay. So, you know, I mean, you've got the interest that may continue to accrue. Um, it may be a ding on your credit, but what does it mean to, to just not pay? What type of consequences could someone face? Yes. Yeah, so your interest will accrue over the next year. Your interest won't capitalize, which, you know, at the um, end of the year, you know, if there are other financial consequences to this previously, your interest could get sucked in with your principal and you could be paying interest on interest. That's capitalization. But the interest won't capitalize, but it certainly will accrue. You won't get credit for public service loan forgiveness or being in an income driven repayment plan. But for the most part, those are the sorts of consequences. Um, you know, your balance will continue to balloon. But for a lot of people, that was already their reality, right? They have fifty thousand, a hundred plus thousand dollars of debt. They think there's no way I can pay this off on a nurse salary, or on a teacher or social work salary. And so, taking advantage of the next few months or possibly year to say, I'm just going to simply not pay on this debt and take care of my other needs to make sure my kids are fed and make sure I'm housed. That makes a lot of sense for for a lot of people. You're listening to KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Jade Hindman. I've been speaking with Braxton Brewington, press secretary for the Debt Collective. And uh, Braxton, Democratic lawmakers recently urged Biden to deliver on student debt cancellation by 2024. What kind of support are you seeing from lawmakers in Washington? And, and is it enough? There definitely is growing support among lawmakers in D.C. to push for student debt relief. We've seen over the past few years, even polling showing that a majority of young Republicans supported a chunk of debt relief or keeping the pause. So there's a growing coalition of people on now both sides of the aisle, at least in terms of voters and Democratic lawmakers and the majority saying, we really need student debt relief. This is great for our communities. This is great for small businesses. We're seeing data that says home ownership is going to go through the roof. And that's really encouraging and seeing them push on a quicker timeline, right? Especially because the Biden administration coupled the return to repayment with relief. And so now what we're seeing is just a return to repayment with a very elongated timeline for delivering relief, right? They've announced this negotiated rulemaking process, which might not get finalized until the summer of next year. And so it makes plenty of sense that Democratic lawmakers are saying, hey, we've got to really speed this up. We need to implement relief by early 2024 at the latest. And what about other officials? And and have you gotten pushback from them? Of course, in some on the Democratic side, as well as um, Republican officials who say, you know, we're against student debt relief. This is going to just be a bailout to people who don't deserve it. And what do we do? You know, are we just going to let everyone have relief? Um, I, I think our sort of response to that is we already do different types of debt relief 
for people. They're just often the top wealthiest 1%, right? We canceled PPP loans to the tune of $800 billion just a couple of months ago. When it's time to talk about working class folks, you know, our teachers, firefighters, social workers, people who are disproportionately burdened with student loan debt, then there seems to be this sort of wavering on the issue and that comes to a sort of core ideological difference. But that's why the Debt Collective and a host of other organizations and lawmakers are talking about returning to an era that used to exist in the United States and does exist in other developed nations where we actually have affordable higher education. You know, when we send our kids to school in second grade or, or eighth grade, we call it public school because it's free. And so we should do the same for higher education. You know, uh, as you've kind of touched on before, the Biden administration uh, is making some progress on loan forgiveness. More than 2,300 students won a lawsuit against the former San Diego-based Ashford University and got some relief from their outstanding government loans. Can you break down what else the Biden administration has done for debt? Yeah, I think where they've been most successful are these sorts of sweeping amounts of cancellation that happen automatically. So last year, we the Biden administration canceled tens of billions of dollars for people who went to Corinthian College, for example, this sets of pre- chain of predatory colleges who took advantage of people. And rather than having people apply one by one who maybe went to these colleges saying, anyone who went there, we're going to cancel your debt because we know that you were wronged. Uh, that was a super successful plan of relief that has impacted a lot of people, including a lot of our members. Uh, additionally, the Biden administration has begun these one-time account adjustments for income-driven repayment plans. So the IDR plans, for short, say you know if you after you've paid for twenty uh, or twenty-five years, that all of your student debt is to be canceled. Well, those plans have been broken in many different ways for the past few years. And there's millions of people, almost 5 million people, who have been paying for longer than that time. Recently, the Biden administration just announced that anyone who's been paying over you know, that sort of time period, they're just going to start canceling those debts. And so if people remember just a couple of months ago, there was $39 billion canceled for 804,000 borrowers. The department has said that they're going to start doing these batches of of relief for people. So slowly but surely, they're starting to chip away at this base of people who have student debt. But remember, we're talking about 45 million and the Biden administration only has so many years, um, even if you were to go on to win a second term. And so I think that's why we're, you know, hearing from Democratic lawmakers who are saying you've really got to start to speed things up. Yeah. What should the public ultimately know about this fight for student loan forgiveness? I think one of the most important things to know is that we've come a long way and that there is a lot more relief to win. Just a couple of years ago, the idea of canceling student debt, I mean, people thought was just preposterous. You know, there was this sort of understanding that oh, the people who have student loan debt maybe are doctors and lawyers and went to Harvard and are doing quite well for themselves. And we've seen a very quick transition of the populist understanding, no, wait a minute, these are working class folks. The majority of people who qualified for Biden student debt relief made under $75,000 a year, right? These are low-income people, mostly Black and Hispanic women who are struggling with student debt. 
And we've canceled more debt in the past few years in terms of student debt than has ever been canceled before. And so we're certainly getting there. This is a movement and this is a national conversation about how we prioritize higher education. That type of movement doesn't just happen in a couple of years. And so we're making progress. Yeah, I mean, it seems like for a lot of people, it looks like pursuing higher education has been a bad investment given the position that they're in with student loans. Yeah. Oh, people have been made worse off by, um, you know, the sort of higher education system that we have today, which, you know, I think something people don't quite understand is, you know, they'll conflate student debtors for college graduates. That's not exactly the the same circle. Forty percent of people who have student loan debt actually weren't able to finish college and don't have their college degree. So you have millions of people out there who are being paid for a high school diploma, but are paying on a college degree. And so there's a huge breakdown of sort of who is really suffering with student loan debt and the sort of general mantra that we've heard for the past several decades, right, as education is the greatest equalizer and you know, going to college is what will sort of bring you out of poverty and into the middle class. And instead, what we're seeing right now, because of the way student loans function, you know, they're not dischargeable through bankruptcy. Uh, you know, you have these crazy high interest rates that don't exist for, say, getting a house or, you know, getting a mortgage. What we're seeing is that people are being made worse off by actually pursuing higher education. The answer to that is not to no longer pursue higher education, right? It's to improve our economic and political policies so that people can pursue higher education. They can go on to be an artist or a dentist or a teacher or live in a world where whatever you know, the career they want to pursue doesn't require a higher education degree so that all of those people can do that in an equitable way that doesn't leave them worse off. I've been speaking with Braxton Brewington, press secretary for the Debt Collective. Braxton, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Coming up, the struggles seniors are facing as they try to pay off student loan debt. The biggest threat to older Americans who have student loan debt is that their social security will be garnished. The government has the right to withhold social security payments if someone defaults on their debt, including student loans. You're listening to KPBS Midday Edition. KPBS On Demand is supported by the National Conflict Resolution Center. Topics like political polarization and hybrid work policies can create workplace conflict. NCRC can help workplace leaders navigate divisive issues with the culture, communication, and conflict certificate. More at ncrconline.com. You're listening to KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Jade Hindman. We're talking about student debt and how repayments will affect Americans moving forward. We know many people are saddled with student debt, but older Americans are particularly vulnerable. A report by the think tank New America found that there are three and a half million people, 60 and older, who still have student loans. Together, they owe more than $125 billion dollars and many of them have been paying their loans for decades with no end in sight. I'm joined by John Marcus, the higher education editor at Heckinger Report. John, welcome. Thanks very much for having me. 
Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, You recently did a story on older Americans with student loans. Uh, One senior you spoke to said she was expecting to die with her debt. It seems like a really dire situation all around. Tell us more about what you heard. Yeah, it it is. It's sort of a sad situation. You have people who are surprisingly determined to to pay off their debt and to continue to pay it off. Like the person that I was speaking who with, who's in her mid seventies and still works full time. She can't retire because she still owes this debt. Now there are some programs that will help you in that situation, but they're incredibly complicated. Obviously, the the one that everybody heard the most about was the Biden administration plan to forgive that debt. That was struck down by the Supreme Court. So uh, this month, September, is when the bills come due again for everyone of every age. The biggest threat to older Americans who have student loan debt is that their Social Security will be garnished. The government has the right to withhold Social Security payments if someone defaults on their debt, including student loans. And so what we're doing essentially is taking older Americans on on Social Security who can't afford to pay their loans and essentially pushing them into poverty. That means we are then assuming the cost of all the social safety net programs that they then require just to keep afloat. Hmm. You know, many seniors may not have enough money in retirement, as you just mentioned, or or they're unable to work due to illness and age. Can you talk more about the difficulty seniors face when it comes to paying back their debt? Yeah, that's already a huge problem. Even taking a looking at it separate from the student loan debt uh, is that older Americans tend not to have saved enough for retirement and we're living longer. So those two things uh, conspire to make it harder for people to kind of stretch the dollar uh, in retirement. On top of that is the level of inflation over the last few years. So all of those things are happening even even separate from consideration of the student loan debt. Add the student loan debt in and you're talking about people forgoing um, medical care, about one in 10 older Americans who still have student loan debt have said, uh, and according to a survey by AARP, that they have chosen not to get medical care. So this, as one of the people that I spoke with who deals with these these, uh, people who have debt said, this is life and death. Again, after 20 years, most of the time, if you go through all the hoops and you, you have to take some steps like combining loans and there are a lot of, there's a lot of paperwork, your loans will stop. But what I learned that was interesting, well, two things. First of all, people often assume that the student loan debt held by older Americans was borrowed to put their kids through school. It wasn't. Overwhelmingly, this is the student loan debt they themselves took out for their own educations. In many cases, they went back to college late in life. So they haven't been paying for 20 years. Not all of them. Some of them have. Uh, And so um, they haven't reached that 20-year endpoint where they don't have to pay anymore. And as you mentioned in your introduction, many of these people have been paying for for decades. Those tend to be people with um, graduate or professional degrees, which is generally where most of the debt, most of the student loan debt occurs in America. A a typical bachelor's degree recipient that borrowed owes about $27,000. But if you went to medical school, you it's staggering. You owe more than a quarter of a million dollars. That does take a lifetime to pay off. And while you're probably a little bit more comfortable and are able to pay, repay that loan, you still have this debt just hanging around your neck forever. What's also really interesting that I can tell you as someone that he covers higher education is this is also contributing to the really critical decline in enrollment 
in colleges. Why? Because this is mind-blowing. Students who are graduating high school, their parents are still paying off their own college loans. So why not would you put your own kids through that? Now, this enrollment decline in colleges is less acute in California than it is in the Midwest and the Northeast, but it's coming for everyone in 2026 when the number of 18-year-olds declined. And if if compounding that, you have adults saying, parents saying, don't go to college, you'll, you'll owe your student loan debt forever like I did, that's just going to make it worse. I mean, from where you sit in all of your reporting, I mean, today, is it worth it to take out a loan to get higher education, and then not make enough money to pay back the loan. It's still worth it to get a college education. It's still You'll still make more money over your lifetime. The part of your question that's harder to answer is, 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 is it worth going into debt to do it? This is a very odd system that's evolved in this country, beginning in the 1990s when people began to borrow, where when the government began to, to shift from giving you money to go to college to loaning you money to go to college. And that's where the problem began. And so this is now as is famously cited all the time, more than a trillion dollar problem. And even if you take it separately from the older adults, it's still a uh, student loan debt, which is tragic and, uh, and, and depressing enough. Generally, as these student loans uh, resume, people of all ages will have less disposable income to buy anything or to get married or to start families or buy a car or buy a house, that has a, a carry-on um, effect on the economy. You know, so not paying back your student loans can have huge financial consequences, particularly for seniors. You talked about garnished Social Security wages, for example. Tell us more about that. Yeah, everything, if your loan has been delinquent for 270 days or longer, that is, if you haven't made any payments for that period of time, which is, I guess, what, nine months, then anything above $750 that you receive each month from Social Security can be withheld and applied to the debt or 15% of the benefit, whichever is the lower amount. Still, you're already talking about people at that level receiving Social Security, already very low income, probably uh, began to cash in their Social Security early because you have that option of cashing in Social Security, you know, starting in, at 62. But the longer you wait, the higher the payments would be. People who cash it in earlier already are getting lower Social Security payments, probably were lower income anyway, because they were um, their Social Security was based on their wages. And so therefore, they're, they're at the lower level of their Social Security uh, benefits. So that's a lot of what they have to live on is then taken away from them to be applied to the debt. You know, and like you mentioned earlier, the Supreme Court blocked Biden's student forgiveness program. How does this decision affect seniors in particular? Right. Already 114,000 Americans have had their Social Security garnished, most of them older Americans, but also some people receive Social Security if they're disabled. Mostly we're talking here about retirees. So 114,000 Americans have had their Social Security garnished. The resumption of these payments means that these people who might have had a little breathing room for not having had to make that monthly payment now are going to have to rearrange their budget. Uh, and again, the, there's a GAO report that found that many people are kind of forced into poverty. Even if they have their Social Security benefits diverted to repay their loans, in many cases, their balances actually increase because the interest continues. And many of the older Americans, because they've been paying for so long, they actually now owe more than they borrowed originally, decades later. We spoke to one woman that borrowed $5,000 
which seems like a modest amount of money, but then she, for because of of sort of personal circumstances, she never graduated. So from that five thousand dollar debt when she was in her twenties, she now owes fifty five thousand dollars, which is staggering. And and she's still working and will never stop. And like many of the other older uh, Americans we spoke with, expect to die with their with their debt. Now again, there are some relief programs that can stop that from happening but they're very complicated and and a lot of people don't know how to apply for them we're talking in many cases people who may have cognitive issues hearing or vision impairment trying to navigate this incredibly complex bureaucracy around their student loans so some people are paying who might not even have to who qualify for forgiveness and haven't yet applied for the majority though these are people with legitimate debt who they that they still owe and couldn't get out of even if they tried. We talked a bit about Biden's save plan. Is there more the Biden administration can do for this part of the population? The original loan forgiveness plan that the Supreme Court struck down would have erased the student loan debt of of 20 million Americans and reduced it for another 20 million. That one got got struck down. There are some sort of stopgap measures. There's one for people that have missed repayments kind of a forgiveness program that allows them to essentially kind of restructure their debt. There are programs that uh, allow you to combine certain programs because student loan debt often is spread among various programs. Some parents have have parent plus loans that they use to pay for their kids, plus uh, federal student loans that they use to pay for themselves. Parent plus loans are really hard to get rid of, but the other kinds of loans can be combined, consolidated, and then reduced. And after 20 years, in many cases, uh, you can get rid of of your loans, but not in every case. And they do, I mean, it's it's ironic to say that this is an advantage of the American system, but your loans do go away when you die. And I say that because in some other countries, notably Australia, where I visited to, to write about their college payment system, you don't pay for college. You, you essentially go to college and then repay the government as a proportion of your income over a period of time. But even after you die, your family owes that money, at least in the American system, especially considering the amounts we're talking about, when you die, your loan finally does go away. Wow. So we have, we, I guess we all have that to look forward to. Sheesh. <laughs> the only way out is death. Um, I'm going to go just highlight the big question here, and, and that is, aside from death, what are the ways seniors can still alleviate or escape their debt? Yeah. So there are these forgiveness programs and um, the program that I've been mentioning a few times that allows you most of the time to get out of your debt for many federally subsidized student loans after 20 years is an income-based repayment where your repayment is recalculated as a proportion of your income. And that's something that has actually existed for some time, but most people didn't take advantage of it or it was very complicated or the government made it hard to actually take advantage of. Now the Biden administration is working. I I think it's probably easier to use the word struggling because these are such cumbersome kind of programs and there's so much money involved and that they're trying to work out a process under which income-based repayment would be easier. And again, where these are only federally subsidized loans that we're talking about. Some people borrow privately and none of these controls and none of these safeguards apply to and as as flimsy as they are, none of them apply to private private loans. Have you heard any ideas floated around that may work to alleviate this debt 
for so many Americans? I think the the easier way to answer that question is not that won't be challenged by somebody or, or other. Uh, the Biden administration says it has some other plans to try to alleviate student loan debt for uh, for student loan holders. Um, some state attorneys general, mostly Republican state attorneys general, have vowed to challenge those. Um, there are also an argument, both a both a genuine argument and a political argument that says, why should we, because someone has to pay for that unpaid, those unpaid loans. So that's another component of this that I think is really interesting, which is that that came up when the Biden administration did propose these uh, loan forgiveness programs is who's going to pay? This is billions and billions of dollars of loan debt. The government has already forgiven, by the way, tens of billions of dollars in loan debt assumed by borrowers who went to colleges and universities that have closed, mostly private for-profit colleges that were proven to have defrauded their students or misled them into enrolling. Those have been rolling on, but you know you have to have gone to one of these designated schools that have closed in order to, to qualify. But the Biden administration says it has a number of other tricks up its sleeve. Almost everyone is likely to be challenged. All right. I've been speaking with John Marcus, the higher education editor at the Heckinger Report. John, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks very much for having me on. What thoughts do you have about student loan repayments? What do you think is fair? Give us a call at 619-452-0228. You can leave a message or you can email us at midday at kpbs.org. We'd love to share your ideas here on Midday Edition. Some of you have already done just that. Here is Cindy Nelson, followed by Janine Teach. I was in my uh, mid-30s, early 40s when I took out my student loans to get my degree in education and uh, psychology. And at that time, I was a single mom with two kids and worked 40 hours a week on top of that. Those loans then ballooned into thousands of dollars of interest. I had to go on a deferment program because I couldn't afford the payment. It was a choice between the student loans or food for my kids and myself. I chose the food. My experience with student loan debt is that I was responsible for the loan for my college education. The government forgave loan debt if the borrower provided service to the community for a period of time. Under Title I, I taught school English language to immigrant children in Washington from Mexico. I do not know if our government has such a program, but it is a win-win for the lender and the borrower. We should own up to our responsibilities. Thank you. Thanks for your comments. Keep them coming. Don't forget to watch Evening Edition tonight at 5 for in-depth reporting on San Diego issues. Of course, we'll be back tomorrow at noon. And if you ever miss a show, you can find the Midday Edition podcast on all platforms. I'm Jade Hindman. Thanks for listening. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com.